Thank you, Dunford family, for that wonderful, wonderful intro. Uh, Church of the Warm Heart, good morning. Great to have you on this uh, chilly Sunday morning. My name is Michael Beneshek. I'm one of your Warm Heart pastors. It is so good to have each and every one of you. If you are joining us online, hello, welcome to you. We are blessed to have you with us, and we pray that you find a blessing in today's service. Uh, sign in. Let us know you're here. You'll find a, a red attendance pad in every row and every pew. Uh, fill it out and send it on down the line. That way we can see who's here, who we need to call on, and, and the like. Usually at this time, I kick it over to our worship leader. You might notice the chair is empty today. Jen Hunkovic, our, uh, one of our warm heart pastors, uh, called in sick this morning, and she was going to be our worship leader. So Jen, if you're watching, uh, get healthy, and we look forward to seeing you, seeing you soon. You're preaching in two weeks. I got to have you back, so come on back. (laughs) Uh, Tonight, didn't make the bulletin, but Mary Methodists are meeting. Uh, What are the requirements? Uh, You need to be Mary. Be Mary. That that helps. Uh, You could fake it. Uh, Methodist, but if you're not, you could fake it. If you like food, come on by. They like to eat. Five o'clock today, potluck in the Family Life Center. Uh, A lot of our announcements have to do with food today. Let's see. That's what we do. Next Sunday, join us for lunch after our worship services. Uh, Pastor Jen is putting together a lunch party uh, for, for any and for all. We're going to take over Smoky Mountain Pizza at 1245. This is strictly food and fellowship. There's no study. There's no lessons. There's no sermon. Food. Fellowship. Get, uh, just join. It's, it's, it's good for, uh, for every man, woman, and child. So let the office know. Uh, by Thursday, so we can save you a chair. Uh, these roll around uh, every, every two months, but it seems seems quicker. Hard to believe our next blood drive, Monday, April 3rd. Are you type A, as in, hey, I just can't wait to give. Come. Maybe you're type B, be not forgetful to sign up with Lisa over there. Or maybe you're type, oh, I just can't wait for those after donation snacks. Or you could be type A, B, I'd be positive that Pastor Mike should not write the announcements anymore because these puns are bad. All right. Sign up. Lisa's right over there, uh, Monday, April 3rd. Check out the rest of the bulletin for other announcements going on and for volunteer opportunities. Let's take a moment, greet those around us in Christian love, and then remain standing for the opening hymns.
affirmation of faith. You'll find it on the screen and in hymnal number 887. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No. In all things, we are more than conquerors through the one who loved us. We are sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor bands, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. God. Amen. Please be seated. Unless you're like fifth grade and below, this is your time in worship. So come on up. Trust me with fire here. I, can you believe it? Oh. Oh. What do you think this thing does? Any idea? Let's not blow it out. Not yet, anyway. What do, what do we use this for, do you think? Take a guess. Yeah. To light up those candles. That's right. That's what we do. Well, we used to a lot, but we're going to try to get back to it. Uh, now, there's some acolyte training pretty soon. Uh, that's going to happen so we can get some of our acolytes back. What's an acolyte, I hear you ask? Acolyte, that's a big word, isn't it? It's a Greek word, acolyte. It comes from akalukas, means uh, follower, one who follows. And an acolyte nowadays kind of means helper, and those, those who help prepare get, to get us ready for worship. And so in a lot of churches, we have kids like third grade and above help light the candles before worship. And so we hope to get uh, back to that here pretty soon, that when worship starts and the opening songs go, that someone's going to carry uh, this, this lighting stick that we have and light the candles that bring the, the light of Christ into worship for us. Why do you think we use candles? Any idea? Not a lot of places use candles, do they? We light candles a lot. Uh, my wife actually says, I, if, if <laughs> I have a problem with candles. I am Pastor Mike, and I like candles. Uh, I, every time we go to the store, we need, we need more smelly candles at our house. That's, that's my kryptonite. Uh, but we love candles in here because sometimes the world could be a dark place, and we, we remind ourselves that the light of Jesus brings us a lot of peace in our hearts. And so the acolyte will light, light the candles at the beginning of worship, and then at the end of worship, they'll go light the, take the, uh, extinguish the candles, which is what this thing does. This goes over the candle like this, and the candle goes out because it needs oxygen to live. Uh, and, but they carry the light of Christ out into the world for us to follow. So that's pretty cool. So if you're third grade and up, uh, ask Miss Cassie about it, our uh, children's minister, and she'll, she'll sign you up for acolyte training. That'll be pretty good. I never got to be an acolyte when I was a kid. They didn't trust kids with, with flame at the churches that I grew up in. I did get to light the candles for my, for my aunt's wedding, and that was pretty cool. Now, I don't want to hurt anybody, so can you do me a favor? Can you, everyone just blow real fast and blow that out for me? Awesome. 
Let's pray. God above, bless these little ones here and watching online, that as they grow in in love and godliness, that they carry that light of Christ everywhere they go. In In your son's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for coming down. Kind of has a little smell to it when you blow it out, doesn't it? Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for coming down.
time of prayer here at the Church of the Warm Heart. Our tradition has been to have a, a moment of, of public prayer. If there is a prayer on your heart to, to share, to uh, whisper it, say it, shout it. It is, it is your prayer. Following a, a time of, of that prayer, we'll have the uh, pastoral prayer, then the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer will be on the screen if it's unfamiliar. What are the prayers of our church family this morning? Heavenly Father, as we, as we wait patiently for spring, sometimes our hearts show our impatience. Get us out of this winter. Winter in the calendar, maybe the winter in our lives. We seem to want what we want right now when we don't like to wait. As kids, we long for birthdays or Christmas or summer or whatever. But we don't outgrow that. As adults, we, we get the things we need without saving up for them, or we long for certain times in our lives. Kids can't wait to be teenagers. Teener, teenagers can't wait to be adults. And we're always striving ahead to some distant future without enjoying the present. Some of us adults look forward to retirement. And, but those who have retired wondered where the time went. We long for eternity when we don't know what to do with a rainy afternoon. Help us to give the time that you have given us to its fullest. That we not pine away for the future or to continually bring up the past and regret or thinking that the best days are gone. For we know, dear God, that the best days are yet to come. The promises that we have for you. In the meantime, remind us that this is the day that you have made and we are to be glad and to be rejoicing in it. Pray these things through your son, Jesus Christ, through the prayer that he taught his disciples by sharing these words together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine's the kingdom. As willing and able, let us stand for our next congregational hymn, number 591 Rescue the Perishing.
scriptures for this month, uh, the season of Lent, six weeks of Lent, have been about crosswords, the words that Jesus shared upon the cross. And today we get some of the most dark ones that he, that he shares. Uh, you'll notice some of our hymns might have a little bit of that tinge of rescue me sort of, sort of flavor to it as well. Uh, we're going to start, though, with Psalm 22, verses 1 through 11. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let the Lord deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. And then from the Gospels. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemo sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he is calling Elijah. Immediately one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. The Lord's blessing to this reading. If you were here for the Blue Christmas uh, service that we had about three months ago, much of this sermon will sound like an echo uh, to that. It's the same passage that we used. I didn't know I was doing the sermon series at the time. We learned back in English many years ago the five W questions. Help me out. They are the, the, the who, the why. Most of you even had the, the, the same order. I think we all had the same teacher on those. Okay, yeah, every now and then they throw in how. I don't get that one. That's, that's a new curriculum, I guess. These are the sort of things we learn in history class. Information, facts, figures. Who? A, a, a simple fact. What? Another simple fact. When? At what time did this fact and thing happen? Where? In what location did such and such do such and such at such and such time as this and where such and such did that take place? A lot of suches in these. And in history class, I ruled because I can memorize simple facts that I can commit to memory. Civil War, 
1861 to 65 across five Aprils. First American in space. John Glenn. Wasn't it? Was it Shepard? Right, was Glenn the first one who went around? All right. Magna Carta, 12.15. I got that one down. Uh, I love looking for these things. My hometown, I grew up in a tiny little town, Malcolm, Nebraska. No one's heard of it. Not even people in Malcolm. But uh, uh, I always wondered, what happened to the guy who started the town? His name was Malcolm Showers. Uh, he looks a whole lot like Seth Myers, uh, if, if you know who Seth Myers is. Uh, but that, that, that's the guy. In the, I look for him in the cemetery. He's not there. Look for him in the old records. Can't find him. Can't find him on Ancestry.com. Uh, took me 20 years looking for this guy. Uh, turns out he moved to Idaho. <laughs> and then Washington, looking for gold. And uh, he died in a, 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 up, up in Washington um, while, he was, while he was prospecting. Uh, yeah, I just love these kinds of questions. Who, what, when, where? But the one question that was toughest to, to discover is the why. You can't answer why in one, one little statement, can you? It's not a simple factoid question. You can answer other questions with, with a single answer, single word. Uh, take this uh, sentence, for example. On July 3rd, 1890, Idaho became a state. Who? Yeah, well, not. That's where. <laughs> who? Who? The settlers coming in, right? Where? Idaho. When? 1890. Why? <laughs> it's a little more tricky, isn't it? Yeah. We can go into a lot of detail how it came to be. So here's your bit of trivia for the day. We, we stand on the Cayuse land, Umatilla land, Walla Walla land, Shoshone land. But then when Oregon, uh, the settlers started to come in, and Oregon became a state, uh, 1843, I believe. Um, it became a territory, 1843. When Oregon became a state, what is now Idaho became a part of the Washington Territory. We joined Washington, or Washington joined us. How about that? Uh, that works. And later on, in both the House and Senate in D.C., they passed a vote to make northern Idaho a part of Washington. Southern Idaho, where we are, part of Nevada. We could have been Nevada. <laughs> President, it passed, passed the House and Senate. President Cleveland vetoed the bill, saved Idaho. Around this time, a large number of the members of the Church of the Latter-day Saints started to come up into this territory. And Latter-day Saints, back in the day, mo- voted mostly primarily Democrat. That's what they voted which irked a few of the folk who were living in this area. I'm glad we don't have those days now, <laughs> right? In the, ne- in the next voting, this is just history, so I can't get in trouble for history. Uh, in the next voting cycle, they created an oath test, an oath test. Who do you pledge allegiance to in, in terms of religion? And it basically barred Latter-day Saints from voting, or serving in politics, or being on juries, giving the, the Republicans an upper hand. The next president, Benjamin Harris, was a Republican, and all of a sudden saw Idaho as a great way uh, to get one more, 
one more red state into the mix. And it passed within the first year. And again, that's way in the past. And we don't have concerns today about voting rights or where state borders are or, or pesky neighbors coming across and the like. But uh, as Ecclesiastes put it, you know, there is nothing new under the sun. The point is this, who, what, when, where, easy. Why? Much more difficult. Uh, wisdom is built on why. Why did Oswald kill Kennedy? Why did the laundry come out pink? You know? <laughs> Complex issues of the day need why. And knowing the cause, knowing your why, gives you power and understanding and comprehending. Oh, not too long ago, we needed another cell phone. Uh, you know, we're in the cell phone business, apparently. We, we need cell phones. So we, I'm not saying our phone was old, but the Amish could use our phone. That's how old the phone was. Uh, so, so I went down to, to Verizon, them, there, are us, or whoever it is, and uh, I need a phone. And they said, oh, great. There'll be a $35 activation fee. Why? <laughs> Got to ask, the, always ask why. It's like, well, we have to activate your phone. It's like, well, it doesn't work without activating it? Like, no, it doesn't work. Well, what does it, why is it $35? What do you, does it take an hour of someone's time? Do, do, do you have to make phone calls? Is it hardware? And she's like, I just type your number in the computer. Like, well, let me type the number in the computer. <laughs> she goes, I'll just waive the activation fee. I'm like, thank you very much. Always ask why. Ask why. It'll save you. Our scripture this morning is a plea for understanding because the writer of this psalm is suffering. This is hundreds of years before Christ when the Psalms were written. So uh, Christ is actually quoting something several hundred years back. He, he could be singing on the cross. This is the songbook of, of, the, of the ancient Hebrews. The writer of the Psalm is suffering. He's in danger. He knows from what. He knows where. He knows when. But he does not know why. And that's the question he wants answered. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from help? If you read Psalm 22, the word why is littered through, throughout the thing. The question of the day, why? The, the question of why has been the focal point of sciences and philosophies since we started dabbling in these endeavors. One of the first sciences was the study of astronomy. Why does the sun come up in the east East, and go down in the west. We're actually at that fun point in, uh, in, the, in the calendar where uh, the, the sun, we're about to hit the equinox, right? Next week, where the sun is not going to be uh, in the north. It's going to be more in the south. And, da, 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 da. and so when you're driving next week, it, the sun is going to land exactly right where you're driving. <laughs> you're going to be blind. Uh, got a great picture. If you go to the uh, railroad track that goes exactly east and west, Sunrise or sunset, you're at the sun will be right, right on top of the tracks. It's pretty cool. Why do the stars move from one, one way to the other, and why do some stars don't? Uh, that's what the ancient Greeks wondered. Why do some stars, they called them wanderers. The stars that wander, uh, and the Greek word for wanderer is planet. Where we get the word planet. Uh, so they thought maybe they're gods because they can go against the grain of what the other stars are doing. They answered their why questions with theological answers. They're gods, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Neptune. Other sciences, 
Ask why. Why, do, why does this medication work and this one does not? Why does the human body work the way it does? Why does a car hydroplane? Philosophies try to answer the age-old questions of why. Why were we put here? Why are there things such as justice and beauty and, and love and politics and culture and sport and, and the list goes on? Theologies try to answer the why question. Most major religions have answers to those why. Why were we put here in the first place? Why is there evil? Why is there suffering? If God is so good, then why is my dad so why is my day so bad? Our psalmist wants to know why. God, where are you? Why have you abandoned me? Forsaken is not a good place to be. I have been there. Uh, I want I want the map out of forsaken. It's old English, means to oppose, to give up on, to abandon. Uh, if you look at the old, old, old language of it. You can forsake an idea. You can forsake a plan. You can feel forsaken when everyone opposes you. God, if you're not on my side, whose side are you on? I cry, but you do not answer. I call, but I hear nothing. My enemies say, say to me, cry out to your God, see if God answers. But you do not rescue me. So it's no surprise that Jesus, hanging on the cross, quotes Psalm 22 in the last breaths that he has. And again, maybe he's singing. This is the old songbook. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Abandoned. Psalm 22 is the most quoted psalm in the New Testament. Can you believe that? Because these are hard questions that don't have single answers. Putting forth the words that feel like raw emotion, but intermixed in this anguish, maybe you heard some of those elements of hope. Yet, God, you are holy. Our ancestors cried out to you, and, and you listened. The psalmist believes that God has left him, and yet he calls out to God as if God had never left, playing it safe maybe. But there are days that I feel like the psalmist. Poured out like water, my bones are out of joint, my heart is like wax, my mouth dried up, and I lay in the dust of death, as, as the psalm says. Well, maybe not that bad, but close some days. We might feel forsaken, and we ask, why? This is Psalm 22. It asks the questions, my God, my God, what is your idea? What is your master plan? I cannot think what you're thinking, and I don't comprehend what you're doing. And it asks those questions that only God can answer. Why did Jesus quote it on the cross? Isn't he part God? Doesn't he, doesn't he know this plan? Isn't he supposed to be in on how this is supposed to go down? He's also fully human. He's also at the lowest point of his life. He's dying. It's a new experience for God. He feels separated, not connected. I know he's quoting Psalm 22, but here's another little known fact about it. He calls God, God. Big deal, I hear you say. It is a big deal. There is nowhere else in the Gospels where Jesus calls God, God. Almost always it's Father, Abba. 
There's, a, there's that, that relationship thing there. If you just call God God, there's kind of a separation. That's why we call God God. Uh, the word God that we get is German for supernatural, something beyond what we can touch. But nowhere else does God or does Jesus call God God. He doesn't say, well, this is what God says. Or I'm going to go up on the mountain and talk to God for a while. Doesn't say that. At least not out of the blue. He does, he does say God a couple places, but there's always a relationship there uh, where he talks about God, the Son, and the, and, and the Spirit. Or, or the quote, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. So we use the word God, but there's always a relationship there with the Son. This is the only time hanging on a cross that Jesus, feeling totally separated from God, forsaken by God, calls out using God's name as separate from himself without that relationship reminder. And, and I'm thinking, and I'm reading this like, if Jesus can feel forsaken, what hope is there for, for, for us? And I'm wondering, if Psalm 22 is the question, why God, why? I wonder if Psalm 23 is the answer. Like, why are these back-to-back, 22 and 23? Psalm 23 is probably the most widely known psalm, and for me, I find it encouraging to have Psalm 23 answer these questions of Psalm 22. I know the words are small, but maybe this might be familiar. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul, and he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. And he ends the psalm like this, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Ultimately, we are to be with God in God's house. That is the exact opposite of forsaken. Not abandoned, but we are brought into relationship. Why did God make us? I think the simple answer is so that we could be with him. It wasn't that God was lonely or bored or needed a hobby, but God truly wanted a relationship. As a parent, if you're a parent, why did you want to have a kid? Was it because you were lonely? No. (laughs) Was it because you wanted a hobby? No. You can't stop that hobby and put it away for a while. Is it because you wanted to live in the land of diapers and car seats? No. But it's an extension of your love, isn't it? With kids, there's new possibilities of new relationships, new, new, uh, new beginnings of stories to be that memories might come. One of God's promises to us that when we go through such bad times, we shall never be forsaken. We shall never be alone. When the storms of life do assail, we can still smile and know that we are loved and cared for. My God, my, my God, why have you forsaken me? The answer is the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. 
all the days of your life. We shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Why? For God so loved the world. That's why. The family of God said, As we come to our offering, a word of thank you to those who participate in the giving to our church. Across the Methodist Church today, they are taking offerings for UMCOR, UMCOR, United Methodist Committee on Relief. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me when the tornadoes come or the hurricanes or the earthquakes or the fires or the whatever disasters come our way? UMCOR is there, and we bring people and resources to places in disaster-prone areas. We are the extension of love in that, in that place. We're some of the first people to arrive and we're some of the last people to leave. We built more homes in Haiti after the earthquake than the Red Cross. Uh, we do good stuff, and it's because of your offertory. For those who are collecting, please come forward at this time. I think I got four volunteers. willing and able, please stand for our doxology.
offertory prayer. God of the cross, in losing our lives, we find them in you. In sharing our money and time, we receive the blessing of your kingdom. Use these gifts towards your holy work, justice, and service in the world. Amen. And our closing song, My Hope is Built. God is good and all the time. I pray that you join us for coffee hour right across the way, right after this this service. We got a wonderful prelude of, of, of a harp, I believe, coming at us again. We appreciate you. May the God that brought us together today, may the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you that as we walk through these days of Lent, we know that we don't walk alone, but with the light of Christ. Amen. Oh.